So have you ever quit anything? Have you ever resigned or quit? I, I quit the gym in January. I had a year membership in the gym, and um, I just decided it was not a good value for the money, and I switched to the dome. And um, I was in the dome for the next couple of months, and I'm, I'm actually right now trying to decide, have I quit the dome? Because in April, they had all these uh, uh, track events and so forth, and I couldn't get in there when I wanted to. And so I didn't renew in April. It's a month-to-month thing. And now I'm trying to decide, have I quit the dome, or did I just like let a month go by? So I'm, I'm de- debating, have I quit? You know, oftentimes we quit with a decision. I'm going to, I'm going to quit this thing. I'm going to jump through whatever hoops I have to, and then I'll be done. And if I see the charges on my credit card, I'll contest them and so forth. Right? I'm going to quit this thing. Right? But then sometimes we just kind of drift away. We just kind of, well, it's not that I, I ever made a conscious decision to quit, but I just don't do that thing anymore. And so oftentimes, either one way or the other, we find ourselves in a position where we want to, we want to quit doing something. We want to stop doing something. And what we're going to look at today is what do you do when the thing you want to quit is discipleship. Now, uh, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you've seen what we've been talking about is discipleship. And the reason for that is because of Jesus. When he rose from the grave, he told the women, who in turn told the men, that Jesus was going to meet them Galilee. When he got to Galilee, he told them, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into all the nations of the world and make disciples. And so we've been looking at discipleship. What does that look like? How do we know what a disciple is? Um, How do we know when we have made one? Are we disciples? So we've been looking at all these sort of questions. And what we've seen is that a disciple is, uh, we would say in today's language, an apprentice, somebody who's learning something, but they're learning in a kind of back and forth, a hands-on sort of environment from a teacher, from a teacher or a rabbi, or a guru, or a Jedi master, however you want to, however you want to describe it. Uh, it's this idea of being an apprentice where you're learning things from the person that you have decided they have the answers to the questions I've got. So that's what we've seen about discipleship. And naturally, because it's an activity that people do, the possibility arises, what if I just decide this is not what I want to do? What if, what if I decide that I don't want to be a disciple anymore? And in our lesson today, we see there is a great question that can help you answer that or or make that decision. It'll guide you as you make that decision. It'll guide you in any part of your life. And I think, honestly, people don't ask it enough in all areas of life. There's all kinds of bad decisions people make, either because they just kind of drift into it without ever consciously making a decision, or they just make a decision because they're hurried or not thinking things through. And this question would be very helpful to them if they would ask this question uh, beforehand. But I think in particular, it's useful to those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, people who are trying to follow Jesus, to ask this question about our faith. Uh, because, because the fact of the matter is, our, our faith journey as disciples of Jesus is going to be hard. Um, not always. Um, sometimes it'll be hard. Sometimes it'll be easy. We saw a couple of weeks ago that it's, um, that it's sometimes so easy that it makes us suspicious. Next week, I save this for Mother's Day because I'm very strategic this way. Um, next week, we're going to see how hard it can be. And Jesus asked somebody to do something very hard. And sometimes that's the nature of discipleship. And what we see today is sometimes it's just not popular. Everybody else seems to be doing one thing, and we're saying, well, we don't want to do that thing because nobody else is doing it. And we say, we say well, if everybody else is choosing to vote against this, maybe I should go along with the group. And so there are different reasons where we might say to ourselves, 
I just don't know if I'm in 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 the right club here. Do I belong to the to this? Am I in the right organization? Am I am I truly wanting to go forward from here as a disciple? So that's the that's the question that people will wrestle with from time to time in there as disciples of Jesus. And we see there is a great, very clarifying question that we see in our scriptures today. So, um, so let me invite you to, to turn to uh, the, the scriptures. We'll be looking at the end of chapter 6 of John's Gospel. And uh, let me set this up while you're finding your place. Uh, Jesus has just fed the multitude. Chapter 6 of John's Gospel, Jesus has fed the multitude. He was teaching in the wilderness. A bunch of people went out to see him. They didn't bring anything to eat. And Jesus had compassion on them. So he divided the loaves and they all had plenty to eat. In fact, it says they ate until they were full and there were baskets of food left over. So Jesus has performed this miracle and the crowd likes this. They say, well, that sure beats working. You know, why don't I just stay out here? I could build a little hut or something and then Jesus could feed me all the time. And Jesus has nothing to do with that. Jesus is not in it for people who are only in it for uh, for what they can get out of him. So Jesus escapes to the hills and then he walks on the water. There's a lot of stuff that goes on at the first part of this chapter. But then the crowd finds him again and they say, hey, how about feeding us some more of that really good bread you had the other day? And Jesus says, you missed the point. Yes, it was good bread, but it was a sign. And they say, well, well, okay, it's a sign from God, fine. But back in the olden days, when, when Moses had led the people out of Egypt, there was this sign where uh, Jesus, where, where God fed them with manna in the wilderness. And he says, why not do that again? That's what the crowd is asking Jesus. Why don't we do that? And Jesus says to them, he says, that the problem with that is all that does, all manna ever did was to sustain your body. And he says, what I'm offering you is something more. I'm offering you living bread that has come down from heaven. So he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven, not like that, which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats from this bread will live forever. So that's kind of the setup that we heard at the beginning. And now, the, the starting in, in verse 60, it says, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Now, some of them didn't like it because Judaism has very strong prohibitions against anything anywhere near cannibalism. And in fact, it's got uh, prohibitions against having anything to do with blood. So uh, there's some questions in the in the uh, in the bulletin. You can follow up on some of the reasons that that would have been a very uh, disgusting thing for this audience to have heard Jesus say to be talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. They would have been offended by it. So some of them are just kind of saying, "Yuck!" They're just saying that is that is gross, Jesus. But I think some of them actually understand what Jesus is saying, and they're saying, "I don't like what I'm hearing." Because I can see Jesus is connected to God. I can see Jesus has a relationship with God. Jesus, I I have become a disciple of Jesus because I want to be like him. I see the way he deals with the problems in his life. I see the way that that Jesus reacts to situations. And I say, I'd like to have more of that, please. I want to be like Jesus. I just don't want to have a relationship with him. And they say, Jesus is telling me the only way I can be like him is to be like him and have a relationship to God. I can only have the kind of life Jesus has in connection with God. He says that, that if, you, if you think I can somehow just wave my wand and change you into a different person, then you can exist independently from me. It just doesn't work that way. And I think some of the people 
are grossed out because Jesus is using these metaphors that, that are not pleasant to them. But I think some of them say, I don't like what I'm hearing. I was hoping that Jesus could just make me a better person and then I could have my own independent existence. And Jesus is saying it doesn't work like that. You have to live on me the way your body lives on bread. So because of this, the disciples heard it and they said, this teaching is difficult. Who could accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? You know that I am connected to God. What if you could see that I am, in fact, God? If you could see that, would that convince you? And they don't like it. They don't like this idea. He says, the spirit gives life. The flesh is useless. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you are some who do not believe. And because of this, we read in verse 66, because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. He said, I'm out. The, the language is gross, the metaphors are disgusting. Or they said, I don't like the idea that Jesus can only make me a better person by connecting me to himself. I want to be a better person independent of him. So the disciples turned back and Jesus turns and he asks the twelve. So this inner group of his disciples, the, the twelve we read about in scripture, and he asks them, do you also wish to go away? Do you want to quit? Are you going to renew your membership right now? And Simon Peter answers him. And this is the great question. This is the awesome question. He says, he implies, I mean implied here is, of course we want to go away. We've been thinking about this. But then he says, here's the problem. Here's the catch. Here's why we don't go. He says, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter says, that's the problem. You know, Peter so often is kind of almost the butt of jokes. He's kind of the, the Jar Jar Binks of Scripture. He's, he's the, this kind of clownish figure who says the silly thing that, that shows just how much he doesn't get it. Um, but when Jesus, uh, when Peter is right, he is brilliant. We see that a couple of times, and this is one of Peter's flashes of brilliance. Peter says, look, I don't like what I'm hearing. No, I don't like this at all. I had other hopes. I was hoping it would be easier. I was hoping it would be more popular. Uh, nobody told me to expect this. But where would I go? Where would I go? You have the words of eternal life. Uh, he's saying, uh, you know, for us, a lot of times we hear the word eternal life and we think, we think life after death. And it certainly includes life after death. But what Jesus has been talking all about, all through this entire chapter, is about having that kind of life right now. He says, you can live in relationship with me. You can be nourished by me so that you actually have the kind of life I have. And remember, that's where we started weeks ago. We started with the idea, the reason you become a disciple is because you look at somebody and say, they have answers to my questions. They don't get bothered by the things that bother me. They have, uh, they have something I want to have. And he says, that hasn't changed. I look at you, Jesus, and we don't know what it is. We don't know, was it that Jesus was compassionate, this crowd? He doesn't know the crowd anything, but they show up and Jesus feeds them. Is it he's got compassion? Is it that he can do these miracles? We don't know what it is that Peter looks at Jesus and says, I want to have your kind of life. All we know is he says, I still want that. He says, I look around. 
I look around and I don't see anybody else who's offering it. And that's, that's the genius of this question. So, so for us, the challenge is to do the same thing. When we're asking ourselves, do we want what we see? Do, do, I mean, do, do, do we see what we like? Are we hearing what we expected? When we're saying, I'm wondering if maybe this is a place where I could just kind of go off in the other direction. Maybe I should drift. Maybe I should like send in a letter saying I quit. But whatever it is, when we're saying to ourselves, I'm just not sure if there's a future for me. Peter reminds us to ask the question first, where would we go? And, and this can be a question we ask in any part of our life. When we're dealing with, with problems in, in, at work, um, in our relationships, we could always be asking the question, not just, am I happy with the current situation? But where would I go? Is this what I'm looking for? Is this the thing that is going to get me what I'm looking for? And that's what Peter says. You still have the words of eternal life. You're the only one I see. I've been looking. And there's nobody else who has the words of eternal life. And that's the question for us in every phase of our life, every part of our life, but also and particularly as disciples. Does anyone else have the words of eternal life? What Jesus asks us to do may not be easy. It may be, but it may not be. It may not be what we expected. It may not be the kind of things people told us about. Jesus may call us in directions that we were not prepared to go. And it may not be popular. But the question for us is, where else would we go? Who else offers us the words of eternal life? I think oftentimes Christians can get into a situation where they say, I just want to be on autopilot. You know, I, I, I just, I, I made a decision when I was eight or when I was 18 or when I was 38, and I'm just kind of going to church and I'm doing my thing. And Peter invites us to actually look around periodically, maybe look at other people, uh, look at other, other teachers and say, is this really, you know, is this really where I need to be? But he's also asking us to look at ourselves, to look at ourselves in the mirror and to evaluate. Am I on the right path? Is this the place that I need to be to achieve the results I'm hoping for? It may not be popular. It may not be easy. But is it right? You know, Jesus, Jesus knew that these would be hard decisions, that we would, we would be periodically uh, asking ourselves this question, is it the right path? And so he instructed us to eat this meal we're going to have shortly as a reminder that there is no magic wand. He can't make us better people who are somehow disconnected to himself. So he says, eat this meal to remind yourselves that this is where you will get your spiritual life. This is where you'll get eternal life. So we're going to celebrate that meal in a moment. But as we think about these things, the question for us is always not, am I happy with this? Is it what I was hoping for? But is there anybody who's offering what I do want? And if not, then to push through and to follow Jesus. Amen.